Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. On behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Three times. Here's why I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope would be that you would come back and we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor. Like, comment, share, leave a review. Do something in the chat. It helps us kind of get through some of those social media algorithms and uh, gets the message of Jesus out. We're in the middle of a series right now. One of my favorites honestly, uh, called Miracles. And, and the reason we're doing that is every year we try to plan as a church to do a series on the person of Jesus. And, um, and we do that because, hey, if you don't know, uh, now you know, Jesus is a big deal. And, um, and we, we really celebrate uh, what he did for us. I always tell somebody, you know, it's, I know a lot of people kind of get hung up in the world of Christianity on, you know, the Bible. And they're like, well, I don't know if I believe everything in the Bible. And I'm like, you know, I always try to point them back to Jesus. Like, hey, well, look, at the end of the day, um, the Bible stuff will We'll get into the Bible things, but let's talk about Jesus, because if Jesus didn't live and then die and then raise again, all this is for naught. Paul talked about that. And so well, this is an important thing that we, we celebrate the personhood of who Jesus was. And we talked about it. We do it in different ways. But this year we're doing it through the miracles that he did. And, and, and it's fascinating to me. Even now, you know, I've been, I've been teaching and, and studying the Bible for over 20 years. Um, even now, as I look at the miracles of Jesus, I'm still astounded by some of the things that we can learn. And so last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, we started this series. We talked about the, the we called it the multiplication miracle. We maybe we talked about maybe one of the most famous miracles of all, which is uh, this where he feeds the, uh, over the five. It's really not feeding of the 5,000. It's 5,000 plus. Everybody say plus. You know, plus is like fancy to now. It's just Disney plus and Apple plus. Everything's plus. Jesus invented the plus. So he did multiplication plus um, because it was more than just 5,000. 5,000 men, but it's 5,000 men plus the women and children. And we talked about how, you know, all the little lessons we, we learned from there. And then last week we talked about the, we called it the molecular miracle where Jesus, this is, um, so you have the, the uniqueness of week one was the miracle that was performed formed was actually in all four gospels, which is kind of cool. It's the only miracle. It's the only thing, story that's in all four gospels. Um, the second week, this, this last week, we talked about molecular miracle where Jesus turned water into wine. This was his, the kind of uniqueness of this one was, it was his first miracle that he had ever performed. So he had always just been Jesus, you know, kind of that you see walking down the sidewalk. Um, but up until this point, and, and he, he actually is at a party celebrating a wedding and then they run out of wine and they, they know like to have a good time, they needed some wine. And so they, they had some wine. And so Jesus thought like, I'm going to, actually multiply water into wine. And we talked about all the lessons of that. It's really good. Really, I think, a solid, decent communicator. Preached that last week. Go check him out. Uh, last week, it was me. And so uh, just check it out. It's YouTube, uh, all of our podcast channels. But this week, we get to talk about a different one. Um, and, and this one's a unique one to me because I think all of us can relate to this particular person who, who got his miracle. And, and there are some of us in here right now who are believing God for a miracle. Maybe just by a show of hands, if you're like me right now and you're believing God for a miracle, will you just lift your hand and just join join me in believing God? Okay, just, just so we can, okay, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up like you yeah, put deodorant on. Okay, now look around. Okay, and so you got a lot of people in here believing God for a miracle. What the goal of this series, okay, the goal of this series is to help us understand how to really believe God for that miracle you're believing for. Because, because only, only then, I think God shows up on our behalf. So today, 
We're going to get into Mark chapter 10. If you don't know anything about the Bible, New Testament is, uh, Mark is in the New Testament. Um, the Bible is broken up into two main parts. You have the first part, it's kind of the Old Testament. The, the second part is kind of the New Testament. It starts off Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in that Matthew, Mark. We're going to be in that Mark uh, uh, book. And that book really just tells the life of Jesus, one of the Gospels. And um, Mark is unique because um, it, it, it's kind of like if you have ADD like me and you're like, need to get to it. Like if you like, get, if anybody get, do you ever have somebody in your life who tells you a story and right when they start the story, you're already saying, get to it. Anybody else like me? Like, okay, you will love the gospel of Mark. So go read that because everything that he says, uh, he makes a sentence. He always adds after the, every sentence he does. And then like, it was like, so, and then Jesus got up and then he went here and then he did this. And then it's like, it's the summary. It's the cliff notes versions of Jesus's life. I love it because his Mark is just like, get to it. And so Mark chapter 10 tells a great story about a, a, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus and, and what Jesus does. Obviously you're, you're going to, you know, the spoiler to this, what, what happens to the blind man when they meet Jesus? What happens to the blind people when they meet Jesus? They, they see. So it's not you. I already told you the punchline to the story, but we're going to read it anyway. And then we're going to learn something from it. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to talk about miracles, miracles. Again, what is a miracle? We talked about in first week, week one, when God interrupts or intervenes in situations to point to himself. We're going to look at one right now. Verse 46, Mark chapter 10. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples had left town, that's important, okay? He's on his way out, he's leaving, and then a large crowd followed him. That's important too. A large crowd is on his way out, he's moving on. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I, I, I relate to Bartimaeus because there are times in my life where I'm not doing good and I scream out the name Jesus. Yeah, just, just, just this week, even. Just this week. I've already said, anybody, anybody this week, you got some kids or you had a bad day at work or your husband, your husband did not do what you thought or somebody cut you off and you screamed Jesus, everybody just say one, two, three, Jesus. He said, Jesus, mercy on me. And then, and then the haters started. Be quiet. Many people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. They said, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. How many of you right now need to throw aside something? Then you need to throw aside. You've been holding on to that thing for long. You just really too long. That coat represented um, his security, by the way. That coat was his only thing he had had. That coat, you can't work when you're blind. You can't, you have no protection when you're blind. And he had to throw away his one security for something that was greater in security. There's something in here. There's somebody in here. You need to give something away. You just need to throw it away. I'm just, I don't know. That's for somebody. I didn't even in my notes. It just jumped out to me. And he said, uh, he came to Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, which by the way, again, Jesus asking a question. I'm going to do a series one time about the questions Jesus asks. Because when Jesus asks a question, it's not because he don't know the answer. He said, what, did, what do you need? What, I, what, I got, what do you want? What do you want? He said, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. One of my favorite stories in all scripture. I just wonder how many blind moments 
Blind people need to see Jesus like me. In all of my situations, I don't see clearly. I need Jesus to help me. If that's you, you're going to get something out of this message. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you that today is your day. I like that statement. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I love that. I want to I rejoice and be glad that I'm here. My situation might not be perfect. My life might not worked out the way that I thought. Maybe right now where I sit, this is not what I thought it would be. But today, God, you can do a miracle. And I pray that we would help. You would help us to understand that and see it with all the vision you can give us in Jesus' name. Everybody set? Amen. Amen. I have a card that I want to show you guys. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get intimate, if that's okay. I'm going to be, uh, where's that card at? Baby, is my card over there? My wife, is it? Oh, no, here it is. Okay, I found it. I, bought, I brought a card. I wrote a card when I was, I don't know how old I was. I'm going to show you this picture. It's on this card. I'm going to show you this picture on my, this is my picture that I took a picture of. This is me. I had to have been, I should have asked my mama, grade three. So what's, what's how old are you in three, third, third grade? Eight? I was, well, I was eight. So I was eight years old, and I wanted to show you this. So I wrote my mom this card. I don't know if y'all can see it. And I made her a little card, and I wrote to her a little love letter to my mama. And, uh, and uh, I said, I love you at the end. I love you, Mom, very much from, and I didn't say your son. I wrote my name out, Aaron Grijalva, just in case she was, <laughs> didn't know who I was. And I put my picture on the front. And... Um, the reason I, was, I showed you all this picture is because, I don't know if you know this or not, but you, can, you can't really see my eyes because they're covered by some glasses. And um, I've had glasses since I was a kid. I mean, earlier than this, I asked my mom, I said, can you help me find the earliest picture I had of having a, a vision problem? Because I feel like I was born with glasses on. And I still have problems with my vision. I wear contacts. And I actually, my contacts are actually at the level where you, you, there's no level after these. So, like, when, you're, when your optometrist says something like, well, if your eyes get any worse, we can't help you. You're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm at the very end of what well, my contacts power can be. I have astigmatism. I have, like, nearsightedness, farsight. I have everything's wrong. Everything that could be wrong. They even consulted me with laser surgery and said, you are not a candidate. That's how bad it is, Right. And so I said, well, um, I was thinking about this because my kids, um, if you don't know this or not, but your kids will inherit some things from you, right? Well, my children have inherited my, my wonderful vision uh, into their life. And I didn't know this until I had my twins. Um, my twins were born uh, first, obviously. And so they're my, my first two ones that come out. And um, we, for, from, from like birth to, uh, I want to say about, uh, I want to say maybe about eight, uh, third grade. I think it was about when they were eight, about that age. Um, they didn't have glasses. Didn't know they needed glasses. Didn't even actually check if they needed some glasses. And um, they would go to school and come back and everything would be fine. And one day, their teacher said, hey, you might want to check their vision. And I said, why? They said, well, because they kind of run into things. And I said, oh, all right, no problem. So I said, let's go check their vision. So we took them to the optometrist and took them down and got their eyes checked and got them some glasses and they walked around. Remember the first day they went to school with glasses on. Monday they walk into school and they, we pick them up and say, hey boys, how's it going? How are you doing? You know, things are good. And they said, uh, they said it was so fun. I'll never forget this. I, I, don't, babe, I don't know if you were there, but they, they said that they walk up and they go, dad, I have to tell you something. 
what, son? They said, there is stuff on the walls at our class. <laughs> we didn't even know there was stuff on the walls. I was like, how many of y'all have a moment when you feel like you're a terrible, terrible parent? <laughs> terrible parent. Like, I'm never going to teach a parenting seminar ever. And, uh, and I was like, man, you guys had terrible vision. And it's got them glasses. And I was just thinking about it. Vision and seeing is important, right, to us. There's something powerful about, like, clarity and vision and seeing things. I remember when I first got the, when y'all remember when the HDTVs first came out? Like when they, when they moved from standard definition to high definition, it was eerie. It was like watching the, like it was, it was so clear. You were like, this is creepy. This doesn't seem, didn't we, didn't we say that? Like, it's not real. It doesn't look real. And I remember going back, have you ever, have you recently had a chance to go back to standard definition recently? Has anybody done that? Like where you hit the channel where it goes from HD channel, even on your HD TV to standard def, doesn't it look terrible? You're like, how do we ever live watching this? You know, you can see football now and you can literally see the raindrops hitting their helmets. And you're like, this is amazing. I'm there. Because why? Because seeing things is important, like how you see and the ability to see even in and of itself is pretty miraculous. I read a, an article the, uh, just recently about how you're actually born blind. Babies are born blind. And, and in the first eight, like the first eight to 12 months, all the synapses start to connect and, and, and connect their eyes and how they kind of, the first 18 months, they, 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 they start to see and all the nerves and optic nerves connect. It's why it's so important when babies are born to touch. Their touch is important. Like, it's because they can't see very well. So you have to like hold them and have skin time and make sure you, t you hold them. Why? Because they're, they're developing their ability to see. So like the idea of miraculous sight that takes a baby's 18 months to actually form, Jesus does in one second for a man who lost it. And I was just thinking about the idea of the miraculous thing of seeing. I mean, just have you ever thought about that? Like, I can see. And then there's times I had my eyes di uh, dilated recently, and you can't see. And I was thinking how terrible it would be to be blind. And this man had lived like that in a society where he would have really relied on everyone else to survive. And Jesus comes in. And, and just changes his world. I always, I always tell people, like, man, if you just let Jesus in for just a moment, I wonder, I wonder if all the things you don't see, you'll start to see. I just wonder if your life will be changed. I just wonder if you consider, if you, just, cons just give him a chance, you know, kind of what do you have to lose kind of a thing. So I was thinking, what could be some of the lessons from this man's life that we could learn four lessons today, four lessons from a blind beggar, four lessons from a blind. Because I think this man can teach us more things about the, I think sometimes the blind people can teach us more about from than, than the people who can see. Sometimes you can just, sometimes you're too blessed. You, you're, you, you don't see right. And this guy had it all, seemed like he had it all together. So number one, number one, four lessons from a blind beggar. Number one, um, don't wait for perfect conditions for your miracle. Read it. Read it with us. Mark chapter 10. It says, then they, they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Okay, so, so you got to remember, Jesus is on his way out. He's not staying there. So he's, he's leaving the situation. And not only that, there are a large crowd, could be thousands of people around. This is not the ideal condition for Bartimaeus to get a, a, a miracle. You realize this, right? 
So Jesus is leaving. His miracle worker is leaving. And then now, not only that, there are a bunch of people in the way between him and his miracle. So it's not the, the perfect conditions for him. This wasn't like um, it all worked out perfectly and set everything up and then his miracle happened. In fact, it was quite the opposite. And I just wonder if sometimes in our moments of difficult conditions and the imperfect moments that instead of still looking to Jesus we start looking to other things maybe people maybe our situation maybe ourselves and we we miss out on the miracle because it wasn't exactly right for you to go to Jesus I just wonder if that's how we are sometimes. I wonder if when you go through a bad moment or a bad day, instead of going to God, which is the hard way, you go to social media, which is the easy way, and you process out with people who cannot help you, and it makes you seem like you don't have it all together. And when you don't seem like you have it all together, the post that you put right before it about how God is good and he can do anything makes no sense to the post of the person that posted that I'm in trouble and I can't do it. I just wonder if we, pro there's this idea, I, I talked about it in a, a couple weeks ago about processing up. I'm going to teach you it. I'm actually, I talked about it, I'm going to teach you it. This is good for you who call yourself a Christian. If you're not a Christian in here, then this isn't for you. But if you're a Christian in here and you believe God, you need to know this. This is a divine idea that you, if you go through something, we process what's called up, not out. So the idea of processing means I'm going through something. I have to figure this out. And instead of me processing out or down to people who cannot help me, which I, whenever I process out, I'm typically gossiping. Or I'm whining. Or I'm feeling sorry for myself because you can't help me. All you can do is say, oh. Like. Sad emoji praying for you you can't process down because those people are the people you should be leading yeah. and some of us process with our kids on our kids and because you're going through a bad day now everybody's going through a bad day and they can't help you but you do it anyway because you feel like well that's what we process up because we process to the people that actually can bring us help. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't have community when you're going through something. Don't mishear me. Yeah. But there's a difference between sitting down with someone and saying, I need you to pray for me. Let's pray right now. Let's have a moment that James says, I'm going to confess my sins one to each other so that I can find healing. And me going on Facebook live or Instagram and posting a sad picture of my face crying, telling somebody to help me out. You realize the difference because you can't get help from technology and people who are actually probably still going through the same thing you are. You get help from the helper, from the great physician who knows what you're going through and can actually help you. So we process up. We even teach it in our staff. You know what we do? We process up. Process up. Process to your leader. Why do we do that? Because your leader can more unlikely actually help you in your issue. We process up. And I wonder, I just wonder, because you wait for perfect conditions, you miss out on God. 
And so you say things like, I can't pray right now because I don't know how to pray. Actually, you should just tell God anything that's on your mind. Instead of saying, oh, you know, I'll come to church when my life is good and everything is fixed. I hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. Oh, you know, I can't go to church. I can't. I I remember my life's messed up. I'm like, man of God, you better run to church then. We, don't we say that? Don't we, say, don't we feel like that sometimes? Did we ever grow up like that a little bit? Like, I can't walk to the church because if I get in the church, then God's going to see all the problems I got. I'm like, just so you know, he sees all the problems you got. You might as well do it in a place that you can get help. It's not a perfect condition. You know, it's never going to be right. I, 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 I want to give when I get money. I'm going to be real generous when I got the money to be real generous. I'm like, you ain't ever going to be generous. If you can't give on five bucks, you ain't going to give on 500 and you might as well just say no to 5,000. Ain't going to help. You ain't going to find a perfect condition to, 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 for your miracles. What I'm saying, there's no. And, and this beggar, I, it, I'm inspired by him because he just didn't wait for perfect conditions. He just did it blind. So what do you do, need to do in your life? What do you need to do? That? Just do it blind. Do it broken. Do it hurting. Believe God. Just step into a, Step into your miracle moment. And don't wait for preferred conditions. That's good. Amen. All right, number two. Uh, so what? He didn't wait for perfect. This is the second thing I learned from this, this Bartimaeus. Can we just call him Bart? Just, that's, that's more Bart. Um, he said, I, I felt like I said, work what you got. Work what you got. This is, this is good. Verse 47 says, when... When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So week one, I said, you got to be thankful with what you got. Go back and watch the series um, in Miracles because like, you got to be thankful. Your gratitude is really the, like the breeding ground for miracles in your life, just being grateful for what you have. So that was week one. In week three of the series, it's not being thankful with what you got. It's actually working what you got. So there's one step for him to be thankful, like, hey, God, I know I don't see, but at least I could have a job, and at least I have a life, or at least I have hair, or, you know, you start to find gratefulness for what anything, you know, you just try to be thankful. But, but with, with Bartimaeus, I like, he, he said, I'm not only am I thankful for what I have, I'm going to work what I have. And even though I can't see, I can hear, and I can say something. And the Bible says, he shouted when he could have been silent, when he could have felt sorry for himself. I wonder if he would have shouted if he could have seen the crowd. Like, let's say he wasn't blind. Let's just say he was lame. Maybe he had broken legs or he couldn't walk, but he could see the crowd. I wonder if his discouragement would have came from the ability to see the crowd. But he didn't. He couldn't see the crowd. And so his, in that situation, to me, it's almost like his ailment was actually his help because he couldn't see how many people were in front of him. And all he couldn't see is bad situation. All he could do is hear, this guy Jesus is walking around near me. I'm going to scream. And I'm going to get my miracle. Um, there's this, uh, it's all throughout the Bible, really, that God seems to recognize people who just don't take no for an answer. There's this one story in 2 Kings where there's a prophet named Elisha and this widow who 
it's an interesting story. You should go read it. And, and it, but the summary of the story is the wife was, she was a wife of a prophet who had died and had a bunch of debt. And the creditor comes back to claim the debt after he had died. And she had two sons and he was going to take the two sons as slaves to pay off the debt. And the, the woman sees Elisha, the man of God, the prophet who had taken over the mantle from Elijah. And he had, she was walking through the town and he walks up to this, this, she, she walks up to this this prophet who represents God and she's got to take no for it. I just, you're not going to not bless me. Spirit. I need a miracle right now. And, and he, he winds up telling her to fill jars with oil. And then she's like, I ain't got no, but like eight jars or something like that. And he's like, just keep filling until you can't fill no more. And he just keeps filling and filling and, and filling. And she gets all the money that she needs to pay off this. So she has a miracle simply because she just had this moment where she worked with what she got. She's like, I don't have anything. And he goes, what do you got? I got jars. I got oil. And he says, all right, let's bless it. And then let's just see how much oil we can get out of it. And she worked with what she got. I like, I like stories like David where he's standing in front of the Goliath. And they're like, you need a sword? And you ain't got no sword. And you need a shield? And you ain't got no shield. And you need some armor? Because that dude's big. And you ain't got no armor. And so I don't know what you're going to do. And I think I just kind of wonder if David just goes, I'm just going to work with what I got. I got a sling. And I got a rock. And that's just going to have to work. I just wonder... If you and I, between our miracle, we're not working with what we got. Sometimes I think people, you ever sit inside church and we say stuff like, you should go on a missions trip. And you're like, I can't go on a missions trip because I'm not, I can't leave work. But you can give to the mission. I wonder how many times you're like, you know, I can't give anything. I don't got no money right now. I just can't do it. But you can serve. Yeah, I can't I can't take my wife on a vacation to Tahiti, but you you know you can't take her to some tacos, right, on Friday night. You can do something. You just gotta, you gotta work with what I can't give my kids a toy, but you can give them some time. I just wonder how many times we excuse our moments because you feel like you don't have what you, you don't have enough of what you want. None of us are ever I've never woken up in my life and been like, I got it all. I need nothing else. I'm so blessed. I have nothing in my desire. I just don't know if that'll ever happen to you. So I just wonder if between this time and the time we're on sitting in heaven, hanging out, maybe, you know, I don't know, eating tacos in robes. That's how heaven looks at me. But like, I'm just, if maybe between now and then, you and I are going to have to take a moment and just take, not only be thankful with what we got, we got to work it. So what do you have right now that you need to work? What What is the thing that's keeping you from saying something and getting your miracle. It could be something that you need to work. Are you working what you have? There's an um, interesting story. I want to read. This is, this is good. I, I read this the other day. I wanted to read it for you. Episcopal Bishop William Frey told a story of him as a young man as he tutored, that he tutored who was blind. The student lost his sight in a chemical explosion at the age of 13. And for six months after, all he did was feel sorry for himself. One day, his dad told him, to hang the storm windows because winter was coming. He told him this. He said, I'm leaving now, son, and this better get done or else. How many of y'all have had that moment with your kid? You better clean up this room or I'm losing it. A student got mad and thought he would fall from hanging the windows. This would leave him not only blind, 
but also paralyzed. I wonder if, if me, when I said something to you, like you said, I said, you got to work with what you got. You're like, but you don't understand. If I do that, something bad could happen. <laughs> Some of us think like that. Like, but if I do that, then, you know, you, you, what if I mess up? If I do that, what if I, what if I do something wrong? If I do that, what if something bad happens? If I do that, what if I get hurt? If I do that, what if you get hurt? If I do that, you, I can't do what God's calling me to do and work with what I got because you don't know what could happen. And the son, the student said, this would leave me not only blind but also paralyzed. And the story said, however, he never fell. He said he had focused on working what he could with what he had. And only after finishing the task, he finished it, did he realize his dad never left the room. He stayed to make sure his son was safe. And whatever you're afraid of that's keeping you from working what you got, just know dad's still in the room. He's still helping you. He's still saying, it's okay. And it feels scary to scream in a crowd of a lot of people who want you to be quiet. But that's still in the room. Number three is this. Number three is this. Don't worry about the crowd. See how I did that transition? I talked about the crowd, and now I'm talking about the crowd. Don't worry about the You're going to have to, because at the end of the day, in your life, there's always going to be a crowd. There's always going to be somebody saying something, talking about your life. And what you should do. Verse 48 says, be quiet. Everybody say, be quiet. quiet. Yeah, that's what they told him. Actually, let's scream it like you believe it. And like you just won the national championship game. You know, sorry, Duke. Um, you know, like you just, like you just, you're going to believe it. Everyone on count three, just scream, be quiet. One, two, three. Be quiet. Yeah, that's what he heard. He heard. He said many of the people yelled at him and, and only made him shout louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Life is just full of some haters, man. It's easy to be a critic. Easy to tear something down that it is to build something up. just is. Doesn't impress me when you try to criticize something. It takes faith to speak life sometimes. It takes faith to build something. I love when people come tell. Don't you love when people try to tell you how to do something they ain't never done before? You know, they've never been through what you've been through, but they're the expert. I wonder how many experts are, are no longer experts after the last, you know, three years. How many experts did we? Too soon? It just takes life. It takes faith to speak life. I just wonder. There's always going to be somebody saying something. I was in Sunglass Hut the other day. I like to, I like to shop. I was in the sunglass hut, and I put on these. Man, to me, these glasses were so, they were. I still dream about them. They're amazing. Has anybody ever put on some pair of sunglasses? You'd be like, they made these for me. Anybody else out there other than me, just give me one person that stands in faith. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, good. So I put these sunglasses on. I'm like, these are so amazing. I looked at the lady in the sunglass hut. This is where I, my first mistake. And I asked her, I said, what do you think of these glasses? 
I'm not kidding, this is what she said. She said, I like the glasses, but it's your face. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you're not a good sunglass salesman. You know, because you it doesn't matter what they ask. If you're selling them, you say, they look amazing. You need two of them. And she said, uh, they look, those glasses are amazing, but it's your face. And I just was like, man. And you know what? I thought about it the whole day. I started looking. It went home. I'm in the mirror. I'm like, what's wrong with my face? You know, like, I'm trying to. And uh, I don't know, the, the loudest wheel is always the one I seem to focus on, the critic, you know. I had a shopping cart the other day, I was pushing it, and I could not, I had one of the, the one that they, they need to fix. Has anybody gotten one where you're like, why is this cart here? I want to drop it on its side and like turn it upside down and be like, this one's broken. Somebody fix it. And, uh, but I'm pushing the whole thing and it's like, wee, 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 I'm like, oh my gosh. And I could not handle it, you know? I could not focus on the other three tires and the wheels that were working normal, right? I could only focus on the one that was broken. And I think that's how we are in life, you know? Somebody says something, isn't it amazing how you can get a thousand compliments but one person says something crazy about you? And it's, that's it, that's it. That's why um, a lot of things on social media are so viral. You know the most viral things that are, are the most viral are negative. It's because people are addicted to the squeaky wheel. And um, you're always just going to have somebody saying something. And if the beggar would have listened to the crowd, he would have missed Jesus. And I just wonder if, if you're too focused on the crowd right now. I wonder, I wonder if you're too focused on what, what is the temperature of people on social media so I know how I'm going to be today. And you just scroll and negative. And, and it's amazing how negative everything is and how negative you can be. And the crowd is now at your fingertips all the time. And I just wonder... Are you listening to the crowd a little too much? You know, are you listening to the people in your life that, that really don't matter? They don't need a miracle. Right? Isn't it funny how the people who don't need a miracle try to tell the people who do need a miracle to be quiet? And he just, he just didn't listen to, I just, he didn't listen to the crowd. And I was just like, man, I remember, you know, the biggest lesson for me I had to learn as a pastor. And, and you know, it's 20, 21, 22 years of ministry, never seen the church door close. And in 2020, in March, the church is closed. The doors closed. They closed. Physically, we couldn't meet. And the year of 2020 was the year of the crowd. You realize that. Everybody has something to say about everything. And I remember, you know, you had the COVID thing and you had racial injustice and you had political turmoil. It was like one thing after the other. I was like, we are on the seventh rung of Jumanji. All hell is about to explode. <laughs> like, what else could we have happened? You know, like what it's like, what else could the world take? And I remember 
feeling, can I be honest, as a pastor, I remember feeling like I was, I had a lot of people in the crowd trying to hijack the church's vision. And they'd come and say, hey, pastor, I love you, but you need to say something about this. And it was always, they didn't, well, here's what's funny. They didn't realize that while they were saying to talk about their side, I had another eight people saying, you should talk about the other side. And they're like, you need to say, you need to, you need to, and you, and you, and we need to, and you, and there, the crowd was going, you better, you better be quiet. I remember asking Pastor Jeff about it, my pastor, he was, he was just here. I was like, you know, what do we, how do we do this? <laughs> I'll never forget. He's kind of a big man. I was with him personally. And he got really close to me. I remember, he looked at me in my eyes, he goes, Why don't we just do what Jesus tells us to do? Why don't we just focus on Jesus? It would seem to me that Jesus cares about sick people. It seems to me Jesus cares about all races. It seems to me Jesus cares about leaders in office. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. If, you're if we're being pulled to be distracted on something instead of the main thing. And I wonder if the lesson that I had to learn the hard way was the main lesson for all of us. And so it could be that while you're dealing with your spouse and you need a miracle for your marriage, there's going to be somebody coming in going, why are you staying with him? Again? How long are you going to put up with this? And like, be quiet, be quiet. And, and you're just like, no, no, I'm going to go get my miracle. I'm going to go get my, my miracle. There's always going to be a crowd to say, do it this way. And Bartimaeus teaches us to do it his way. Last one is this, and I'm done. The last one that I think is maybe the most powerful for me. It's something I've been struggling with for the last... Uh, 18 months. I'm learning this lesson really, really deep. Um, he teaches us, follow Jesus when times are good. I like that it points out, the story points out, and Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. And I just was kind of taken back by that a little bit, because I'm like, well, he got what he wanted. Why would he follow Jesus? Like, that's like the American way. You asked Jesus for a miracle. He gave you the miracle. And then he doesn't see you until you need another miracle. Or maybe this is my way. I don't know if you're like me. And I just wonder how many times I only go to God when things are bad. When I'm blind. I'll walk with you, Jesus, as long as I can in the valley of the shadow of death. Because I need your help. But in the mountaintop, I really don't even acknowledge that you exist. I just wonder if maybe the greatest lesson of a blind man who sought, who, who sought God and started to see is that when things start to turn, you're believing God for a miracle right now. And I'm believing God that he's going to give you the miracle. But when he does give you the miracle, maybe we should get closer to God. 
it's easy for me to wake up in the morning when my life is bad and I go to God. I'm, I'm like, because I need God, I need you. I need you. I, I need this miracle. But when I don't need the miracle anymore, I wane on my, on my prayer time. I don't, I don't ask God as much. You know what I'm saying? I don't read my Bible as much. I'm like, I don't really look up to heaven because it's, it's too good. It's too good. And my hope would be that we'd be like Bartimaeus. When times are good, I'm going to follow you. When there is more than enough money, when, there's, when my marriage is great, when my kids are actually doing well, they, they don't eat glue and they go to school. When, when, when everything is right, I'm still going to go to church. You, you see? I just wonder if we would learn that lesson. My hope today is that as he does answer your miracle, you'd stay even closer to him. So he's no longer Santa. Maybe he's a savior.